From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Hollischuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Report. I'm Aaron Halschuk, a journalist with Black Press Media. We have just finished week 13 in the 2023 NFL season, and I am joined by Vancouver Island Daily and Parksville Qualicum Beach News editor Philip Wolf to discuss all things NFL. Welcome back to the podcast, Philip. Always good to be here. I can't actually believe I'm saying this, but there's only a few weeks left to the regular season, and there's actually quite a bit to catch up on. Let's start with things, how they're shaping up, heading down the stretch. Games have really been all over the map. We were talking about that a little bit before we hit record on the podcast, but with Green Bay beating Kansas City, the 49ers beating up Philadelphia, looking at how things are shaping up and the power rankings how much do you trust your list or your predictions from the beginning of the season to how things are shaping up right now? It's not terrible, but it changes every week, week to week. Mm-hmm. I think that's just part of the world we live in is instant gratification. So you're always changing your list. I would say that most of the top teams are still the same. I do think now, though, that the 49ers look to me to be the best team right this minute. That doesn't mean they'll be the best in a couple of weeks or you know a month once playoffs go. But in terms of the top teams, the Eagles are still there. The the Chiefs are still there. I predicted that the Dolphins would win the Super Bowl. They're still there. So I would say my top five still remains pretty close. How about you? It's interesting because I know in you know, maybe the past two years, I think at the beginning of the season, at least myself, I would always say Kansas City, you know, at the top. And if we ever had to make Super Bowl predictions in week one, it was always Kansas City seem like a sure bet. They're still up there, of course. Do you think Kansas City isn't quite as strong as they used to be? I think it's always dangerous to write them off Mm. just because they have Patrick Mahomes. But I do think their receivers are just not nearly as good as some of the other teams. You know, you can have the best quarterback in the league who I think is still Mahomes. Yes. But their receivers are just not good, especially when you get into the colder weather Stuff like that matters. The one team that I'm surprised in the AFC that isn't as good is Buffalo. I would still be afraid of the Chiefs and the Bills if the Bills can squeak in. But do you look at Mahomes' stats and they're they're just not as good? That's been a complaint for several years is their receivers aren't as good. But, oh, you can just plug them in. But you're finding out that you can't, I think. Yeah. You mentioned the Buffalo. I took Josh Allen as uh, one of my two quarterbacks for fantasy football. And it's been kind of hit and miss throughout the season. You mentioned that they're not necessarily as strong as maybe we thought they were. Is that a surprise at all? Do you think this season were they almost a guaranteed at least playoff contender and things are kind of up in the air a little bit there? Yeah, I I would say that's pretty much bang on. I have Josh Allen on one of my teams as well. He's still putting up a lot of points. In that world, it's still fine. But in the real world, he's turning it over a lot. Yes. And that was how he came into the league. He turned it over a lot. And I think that's been the biggest difference in terms of the Bills. Josh Allen is just really turning it over a lot. 
The other part that's easy to explain is their defense has just been riddled with injuries and you lose key players on the back end like that. And it's hard in a league that is so close in terms of talent when you lose that much. I think that's the biggest issue for them. How about you? I agree. I think in terms of Josh Allen, like it's not a complete surprise, his performance, because you're right. He has always been a quarterback who has thrown a lot of interceptions. I think it's just a little bit more emphasized this year. I'm surprised overall they're not maybe doing as well as they would, but you know, it's injuries, which is maybe a perfect segue into my next topic, which I know something is we've discussed often on the podcast are injuries, particularly as it pertains to quarterbacks this year. I don't know why. Maybe this year it seems because maybe some of the higher tier quarterbacks have gotten injured, but it seems like it's just a topic of discussion every week. And another quarterback got injured again this week. Trevor Lawrence found out that he has a high ankle sprain. While it's not a season-ending injury, he sounds like he will be out for a little bit, and that might affect the Jags' positioning coming into the playoffs. People like Joe Flacco, I can't believe I heard that name mentioned this week at 38 years old, took to the field again. Given the amount of quarterback injuries that we've seen this year, what does this mean and how does it speak to kind of second and third stringers and backup quarterbacks in the league going forward, especially next season? Do you think this will make more emphasis on coaches and scouts to find better backup quarterbacks? I think you should always, I mean, this goes back to the dawning of time. Our producer, Peter McCulley, would remember the days when Earl Morrill came in for the Miami Dolphins and led them all the way through the playoffs up until Bob Greasy came back. And you have just a history of Don Strock again. I'm, I'm highlighting the Dolphins, but even back to the 49ers had Montana and Steve Young at one mm-hmm. point. I'm fascinated by the number of injuries to quarterbacks when we were talking before the podcast about the difference in the game in, you yes. know, in the last 30 years or so is they do way more to protect them than they ever did. They seem to be getting injured more than they ever did. And that kind of fascinates me. I really do think though, for me, the most important thing is the system and the weapons around them. There's five or six really elite quarterbacks and there's about 20 that are all kind of in a middle group. And then there's a handful of the other ones. For me, it's the system, it's the play calling, and it's the weapons. And we can talk about backup quarterbacks, Jake Browning on Monday night for the Cincinnati Bengals, replacing Joe Burrow, the $50 million man. And because of the way that the game was structured and because he was throwing to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, he didn't struggle at all. He had a great game. I don't know that he'll be able to maintain that. But for me, it's a lot about the system. You know, when they came in, Tom Brady had success and he got injured the one year and they they went to the playoffs with their backup. They didn't win because there is a difference between the elite. But for me, you're 100% right. You have to have a quality backup. But I, I really think it's the system and the weapons around them. And we've talked about this a lot. Situation really matters. It was interesting because I know before the podcast, we were talking like you mentioned about if the game itself has changed and if it's not necessarily as violent even as it was 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago and how much they're protecting, particularly the quarterback situation. And, you know, given the fact now that quarterbacks have access to conditioning coaches and nutritionists and dietitians, the whole gamut of things that they can do to keep themselves in the top physical condition, both in season and outside of the regular season, you know, maybe that's not a factor. Does it speak to at all 
that BB teams, given the amount of quarterback injuries this year, how much does you really good or really bad offensive lines play into protecting the quarterback? Is this going to bring, do you think, more emphasis to those five guys up front? Well, it really should. I think mm-hmm. that that's a very large part of it. And that goes back to talking about the weapons around it. It doesn't have to necessarily be a right. skill position. If right. you have a fantastic offensive line, that's going to really help you. But in a salary cap era, especially now yeah. when quarterbacks are taking up $50 million of the salary mm-hmm. cap, it's really hard to find those. And and you have to pay a left tackle as a premium position. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. I mean, you terrible protection is is a huge factor for a lot of teams around the league. And that's why I think systems are so important. And that's also why I think we see so many short passes and so many quick hits is because they just don't have those great old offensive lines to protect the quarterbacks. I think a lot of the injuries too are just plain bad luck. You, you look at Trevor Lawrence's injury. I think that goes into exactly what you were saying is the offensive lineman just got thrashed on the play. Trevor Lawrence got his ankle stepped on. That's just kind of a fluke. There, there's some bad luck that plays into it. But yeah, I, I do think in terms of the, the quarterback injuries, I do think a lot of it is the offensive lines as well. I mean, you look at you know, some of the kids that come in, it's hard to keep them upright a lot of times because they're on bad teams that often have bad offensive lines. Exactly. One team that they did have an injury at quarterback very, very early in the year, but right now struggling with their quarterback situation and not necessarily because of injury, just because of really bad quarterbacking is the New York Jets. I know the whole situation with Zach Wilson has been up in the air, obviously, because of the Aaron Rodgers injury. But I mean, he certainly hasn't proven his worth, I don't think, in the league at all. And then they had Tim Boyle who was just released not that long ago. I think up until yesterday, their coach, Robert Salas, wasn't coming out and saying who the starting quarterback was. I think they picked up Brent Ripken off of the Seattle practice roster. And that was a possibility, but I think he did come out and said that Zach Wilson will be getting the start. Just to throw that out there, and because I am a little bit biased, do you think they're regretting it all, letting go of Chris Strebler as their backup? I thought that early when uh, the whole Wilson saga came up, but I think that they regret letting Chris Strebler go. He was a fun story, but I, I don't think yeah. he had the throwing skill. Zach Wilson's another example. It's funny. Everyone was piling on him and piling on him. And then everybody else that they brought in was just as bad or worse. Yeah. That's almost because of like what you said, the offensive line is terrible. The The one thing about quarterbacks like Zach Wilson are often drafted that high and Bryce Young, you see another example mm-hmm. of that, is that they come to terrible teams. You know, C.J. Stroud is a little bit of an outlier, but Zach Wilson, he's had the confidence beat out of him. The media is all over him. Patrick Mahomes sat the entire first year. Yeah, as did Jordan Love, right? In the old days, as we hearken back to that, you almost never started a rookie because they had to sit. Dan Marino didn't start until game five or six. I really do think it doesn't hurt them to sit and wait. But now you have impatient fans, you have impatient owners like you do yep. in Carolina, and they're just tossed into the mix. And they're tossed into the mix with mediocre receivers and a mediocre offensive line. And then everyone's wondering, like, why are they not succeeding? Bryce Young in Alabama had yep. the NFL caliber offensive line and NFL caliber receivers who were always wide open. And it was easy to make the plays. And all of a sudden he comes into the NFL and he's struggling and people were wondering why. Well, it's it's fairly obvious why. 
you have to have more patience with all the quarterbacks, but you tell a billionaire to have patience. You made a really good point. I can't remember exactly where he was drafted, uh, but Trevor Lawrence, the first year or so of his career wasn't anything exceptional and bring in a coaching change and a bit of a different situation and, and look where they are now. Quarterbacks, I think they can get ruined really easily at the yes. beginning of their career. I, I just think, but because it's the most important position in football, it's the most visible position in football. They want to put them out and be the face of the franchise right away. And in a lot of cases, I think that's a mistake. So speaking of quarterbacks, because this is maybe a question that answers itself, but uh, we were talking about sort of top teams earlier on, looking at the MVP race, because that's coming up pretty shortly. It's really rare to have a non-quarterback take that award. Do you see that happening this year, given the state of where things are, and especially with all the injuries to quarterbacks? Or do you think it might be a little bit of a dark horse coming through, maybe like a Brock Purdy or CJ Stroud? Is that even a possibility? And is Patrick Mahomes, is this a given this year or is that even raising questions around that? I think in the end, you almost always have to put the quarterbacks at the top of the list. Again, what we talked about, the visibility, that's the most important position. Yeah. Right now, Brock Purdy would be at the top of my list. I think most years, Mahomes would be close to the top of the list, but he's not having yeah. a Mahomes type year, even though he's still better than almost yeah. everybody else. But you'd look at those expectations. For me right now, it would be among the quarterbacks, Brock Purdy would, amazingly enough, have screamed to the top of the list. But if I was picking the MVP of the league right now, I would mm -hmm. pick Tyreek Hill from Miami. He was on my list as well. They're not even nearly the same without him when he's hurt. You know, he's having a historical year production-wise. What often happens in these cases is it takes a little media storm to get going. like, And then everybody falls into line once everybody says, Brock Purdy is the top candidate for MVP yeah. now. And then it just circles around and, and you have me going, yeah. <laughs> I picked him as my top fantasy player this year and he's given me a lot of points. And, you know, again, a really good season, whether it's MVP or worthy or not, I'm not sure. But uh, I had also on my list Christian McCaffrey, but I doubt that they would give it to a running back. I think he's probably the most valuable player on that team. Mm -hmm. But just by the way that, the voting goes, it, it always goes down to the quarterback. So you're probably right, but that's just not how they vote. Not how they vote. Yeah. So speaking of the Dolphins, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. How are they looking at their playoff position? How are you feeling overall about them so far? I mean, given that I predicted them to be in the Super Bowl, you mm -hmm. know, feel pretty good. They, having some key injuries, they just lost Jalen Phillips, probably their best pass rusher. So that's that's a big one. For me, in the playoffs, and they should make playoffs, if they don't, heads should roll. I think it comes down to matchups. I don't necessarily think that they would be a, a real good cold weather team based on the track meet style that they run. I, I think if they had to play more of a, a smash mouth style of game, that they would struggle a little bit because they don't really have bruisers in the backfield. Mostert and Devon Achan, who's remarkably fast, but for me, it just depends on the matchups. If they get a, a nice warm weather matchup, I think they should be okay. But if they get a snowball or something, that might be a little problematic. Looking at the Seahawks, my poor Seahawks, they started off so well. Do they even have a hope? What are your chances of them making the playoffs? They're kind of potentially in a wild card situation. But, you know, the last game against Dallas was incredibly frustrating. 
if they squeak in, I wouldn't be surprised. If they don't squeak in, I wouldn't be surprised either. So my expectations, let me say, are low and I will be pleasantly surprised if they do. You know, we've talked about this previously. Geno Smith, he's a perfectly mediocre quarterback, but compared to the year that he had last year, I don't think he's good enough to go into the playoffs. You know, the fallback position, which nobody will ever admit, especially the coaches, is to not finish as well as you'd like and then get a better draft position, especially for a quarterback next year, because I think that's where all the chips have to lie is drafting a really, really good quarterback. And, you know, I'd like to see a couple of possibilities from college, but that's my prediction. I will be pleasantly surprised if they make it, but my expectations are very low. How about you? I think they have a lot of weapons. You have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty talented receiving core. Kenneth Walker in the backfield, Zach Charbonnet. The line has been, you know, reasonable. I look at them and I see playoff team and they, they just yeah. don't perform. I agree. It comes just down to the quarterbacking. You know, Smith is a, a reasonable starter, but he's not a game changer. Even in the absolute best possible situation, he's kind of turned back into Geno Smith, if that makes yeah. any sense. It'll be interesting. I think his guaranteed money is up after this year as well. It is, yeah. See Bobby Wagner, I can't quite remember how old he is, but he's getting up there. Do you see him coming back next year? Or do you think this is his last year in Seattle? I think it'll depend on what they do in the off season. I think he's still playing at a high level, so I don't know that he would necessarily step away, but I think that's a coin toss, really. Yeah, for sure. But let's kind of change gears a little bit. We tried this the last podcast and it was quite fun. I know we used to do uh, some predictions and some overreactions, but let's try this because we did go down a rabbit hole with player nicknames last game. So I do have some new ones that I don't think we've touched upon before. So these are the actual player names versus you have to guess what their real legal names are. So I'm going to start off a little bit easy because this is a this one was caught me by surprise, but it's not too difficult. So the one and only Eli Manning, obviously his nickname, not his real name, fairly similar to his legal name. But what do you think the difference being is actually in his first name? It's- I know this one, actually. It's, oh, you do? I don't necessarily know how to say it, mm-hmm. but, you know, a lot of these guys I've looked up before. I think it's okay. Elisha, Elisha. It is. Elisha or Elisha. I'm not quite sure. But yes, exactly. Which I was very surprised by. So. Let's go to Julio Jones. This one is totally out of left field. I I, I always thought it was Julio. I have no I idea. thought so too. No, this one is, and I feel like I need to apologize in advance for mispronunciation. Quintoris Lopez Jones. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. This one's going to get me. So our favorite, your favorite, Tua. Tungavailoa Tua. What does that stand for? I'm not even going to try. <laughs> oh, that it's an exceptionally long name. Somewhere in there is Donnie. I know that. Yes. So middle name. I'm yes. not even going to attempt his 28-letter first name or it's whatever. Just, so I'm going to try his first name. So it is. I actually like wrote it out phonetically, and I'm still probably going to butcher it. It is Tuaninga Manuloa Pola. There we go. I couldn't tell you. When he first came into the league, some of the announcers, I remember, would delight in having a go at it. But they don't do that anymore. Okay, this is an interesting one. Uh, you probably remember him. Ha ha Clinton Dix. I think it's Hatch on, isn't it? Hatch-on. Yes, good memory. Yeah, absolutely. 
Tashon Treshawn Clinton Dix. And I read the little thing online that he said his grandmother used to get really mad because nobody could pronounce his name correctly. So she started calling him Ha Ha. And that's where the name stuck. So I remember that story. Let's try T.Y. Hilton. I don't have a clue. This is an interesting one. So T.Y., nowhere near in his actual legal name. It's Eugene Marquise Hilton. (laughs) But apparently, allegedly, he changed it to T.Y. as a thank you to the fans every time he scored a touchdown. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Okay, this one here, we're going to end on a really bad note for me. Vita Vea. Yeah, you have a go at that one. I know it's... Yeah, thanks. How much time do we have? Because this is going to take a while. They used to do the same when he was a Husky. When he first came into the league, is they would delight and put him on the screen beforehand when they were announcing the lineups, and he would say his entire name. I do vaguely remember that, absolutely. So here's my attempt, and I apologize in advance. T. Vida Tula Kaiono Tulapolo Mose Valhalo Beko Valito Vea. It's not even close, I'm sure. But anyways. I like Vita Vea. He's a great player. Yeah, I sure do. I feel like that just wasted 30 seconds of my life. Do I get credit for Elisha? You totally do. That was very impressive. That one and the other one, haha, Clinton Dix. That that was very impressive. (laughs) I'll probably get fired for my pronunciation. So there's that. I know in a recent story that you actually uh, passed on to me yesterday about uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, said that he came out and said that he sees football becoming a global sport within the next decade and that the league is at the forefront of that event. He was talking about the possibilities of the international games. Some rumors were thinking of being expanded to Brazil and Spain next year. What do you think of that idea? And like, just especially thinking of the games in Europe and Germany and the UK, is American football, do you think it'll really have that strong of a hold across the globe or is it right now because these are sort of one-off games especially in south america and europe compared to soccer that there's just more of a fascination because it's a one-off game or do you actually see it making in ways well i I think the one-offs can make fans but the way to really grow the game is to have kids playing it i think flag football has a chance to catch on yeah and i think that's where they might be hitching their wagon but I really don't think that the full pads tackle football will ever really catch on with the kids or anything outside of North America. I mean, the NFL is king, but I don't see that growing in terms of kids playing it in the future. You mentioned a, a good point because I believe flag football, the very first year it's going to be considered as an Olympic sport is uh, coming to Los Angeles when they host but the next Olympic Games. I think they're going to be doing flag football because I did see those commercials, I think, with some NFL players. I'd be curious to see, you know, how many international teams and how those players do when it becomes an Olympic sport, because that might be an indication as to, you know, maybe it's growing popularity in Europe and South America. But when I look at the games, especially when they had them at like Wembley Stadium, there are a lot of fans there. But can you imagine eight, nine or whatever a regular season would be in those places compared to soccer? Like, do you ever see that as a possibility? I think it's a possibility only because it's the spectacle. In terms of the growth that way, I mean, you you might see more games appearing there. 
I think it would be awfully tough to have a team there. Like I say, the way that you grow the game is to have the kids playing yeah. and the generations playing. I just don't think that around the world, A, because the equipment is very expensive, but B, because it's also exceptionally violent and more and more they're, they're moving away from that. You might grow the game in terms of interest for having single game spectacles, like you said, but I, I don't think that tackle football has a chance to really, you know, go gangbusters around the world. Well, thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate the insight as always. And we will do this again very shortly. And uh, here's hoping no more quarterback injuries between now and then. You bet. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Hollischuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com.